Thanks for joining us today as you listen to a portion of a message recorded at Vine Life Church in Boulder, Colorado. If you'd like to connect with us further, you can visit us online at www.vinelife.com. Well, we had a wonderful opportunity to hear Pastor Luke bring the first message in the series of Circle Maker last week. And didn't you enjoy that? Yeah. And uh, I think Luke did such a good job of talking about Hani, the circle maker, who made a circle and said he was going to stay in it until it rained. <laughs> Apparently, the Lord took that message very literally. And uh, <clears throat> that's exactly what's happened since. It hasn't stopped. So I'm looking forward to what Nick is going to share today because the Lord is listening. To the, I mean, he's prompting these messages He's uh, responding to these messages, and uh, we heard Nick a couple weeks ago as they came back from Costa Rica, and uh, it's just a great blessing. So we're we're just delighted to have Nick share in this prayer series, the Circle Maker. Would you welcome Nick as he comes now? There we go. Cool. I never know when I flip that switch if it's on or not. I mean, the green light should tell you, right? Yeah. All right. How's everybody doing this morning? Like five people are doing good? After a worship service like that, there's five folks? Let's ask again. How's everybody doing? Okay, cool. So um, I've had coffee, and um, I feel much better than I did even first service. So y'all better listen good, um, because we're fixed to get somewhere. I'm just kind of getting laid out here, get the lay of the land. Um, you know, I've got um, a word that's burned in my heart right now, and I honestly cannot get away from it. Um, and so I'm just going to take a, a few moments to just dive right into it. We might be um, jumping around a few moments, but I feel like um, the Lord has something specific that He wants to share with us. Last week, um, you know, we had Luke kind of stand up and, and begin to kind of dive into this place of, of bold prayers, honor God, and God honors bold prayers. Amen? It's a good spot to be. Um, I'm, I've been tasked, uh, I've been handed the baton to take uh, the second segment of this particular talk um, and talk about, uh, you know, uh, dreaming big dreams right now. Um, and that's actually a bit of a challenge. Um, I'm just going to tell you straight up, because um, I really feel as though this morning, um, with some of the destruction and some of the things that we've seen this week, with some of the things that our eyes have seen come across our television sets, and some of the things that have happened in our midst, in our very own front yards, I believe that there is uh, a bit of a challenge when it comes to the amount of destruction, despair, and frustration that we've all experienced this week, to now cross the chasm into this place of dreaming. Okay? I feel like there's a bit of a challenge in the room. But the truth is, is that um, the Lord has dropped this thought into my head and into my heart. And I feel like it kind of fits in with a conversation that I had with him about a week, week and a half ago. As I begin to dive into this particular topic, um, I, I start, as most kids do, with the question of Why? Why, Lord? Why now? What are you saying? What are you wanting to do? And in that moment, I saw a picture. Because I see things. That's what the Lord shows me. That's how He speaks to me. And immediately I saw this beautiful city. 
with its lights that were so, so brilliant and so radiant that you could see it for miles around. And he began to show me that as we step into this land of possibility, as we begin to step into this land of dream, what happens is, is during the process, we become radiant. We become the city on a hill. And everywhere we walk, everywhere we tread, we radiate the goodness of our Father. We can clap for that. Hey, I like it. So the Lord took me to this passage in Matthew chapter 5. It says, You are the light of the world, the city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden. No one lights a lamp and then puts it under a basket. Instead, a lamp is placed on a stand where it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your good deeds shine out for all to see so that everyone will praise your heavenly Father. You see, the thing is, is that I think what's interesting is that it didn't say so that everyone will praise you. I don't think it said everyone will be just in so awe of how awesome you are. But instead, they're actually in awe of the Father and His good deeds displayed in our lives. So then the Lord took me to this passage this morning, and this is where I want to spend a tiny bit of time before we dive into the rest of it, because this is just good. <laughs> Ed, that's just the way he works. Isaiah chapter 60, I think, is important for us to understand something really, really key, really important. It says, Arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord is risen upon you. For behold, the darkness shall cover the earth, and the deep darkness, the, uh, and the deep darkness, the people. Uh, but the Lord will arise over you, and His glory will be seen upon you. And the Gentiles shall come to your light, and the kings to the brightness of your rising. Lift up your eyes all around and see. They all gather together; they come to you. Your sons shall come from afar, and your daughters shall be nursed at your side. Then you shall see and become radiant. So what's interesting about this particular passage, what's interesting about this particular time, is that this fits right in line with what the Lord was giving me as a vision uh, just a couple of days ago. I really believe that when we begin to step across the chasm of destruction, despair, pain, and frustration, we actually move into this place of possibility. We actually move into this land of where the glory of the Lord uh, shines upon us, and it's His light that is shining through us. I believe that we're in such an incredible time in this community. I believe more than ever that this house is being called to step into something greater. I believe that the people in this room are called to something greater. I believe this morning the Lord wants to awaken you to this one simple fact, that you have to move from this place of 
just surviving and existing where you are and moving deeper into the place where you could say, Arise, for the light has come. Think about that for a minute. You know, one analogy says this. I've heard it taught a million times, and forgive me if you don't agree with me or you don't necessarily love my scientific fact. But the truth is, is that did you know that the moon has no light of its own? Did you know that the moon's radiance is a direct correlation to its position to the sun. It's a direct correlation to its position to the sun. The Father is calling. He's beckoning us to move into a place and into a position where we can bask in His glory. Because the light that we carry is not the light of ourselves. But it's the light of the Father. It's the light that's radiating deep within. That's what will attract. That's will bring the lost. That's will be, that will be the thing that makes us the city on a hill. Let me tell you a quick dream, a quick story. Um, this is just, uh, this is for free. This wasn't planned. So um, you're getting more than you bargained for this morning. Um, but I just feel like I need to. As we're stepping into this place, talking about dreams, as we're stepping into this place about praying bold prayers and dreaming big dreams, um, one of the things that's really been uh, brilliant is that the Lord uh, just brought about um, a, a beautiful new home for my wife and I. It's literally just a miracle God story. Um, and I'm not going to share all of it right now. But um, I, one of the things that's been a prayer in my life right now is this whole idea of radiance. This whole idea of dreaming, what it would look like for this town and for this city uh, to be transformed by the radiance and the glory of God. That's a cool dream to start dreaming about when you start thinking about the context of this community. Oh man, that's cool. It's the church. It's awesome. Yeah, we want the church to have favor and do all these things. But the Lord really began to take this and break it down. And he actually began to show me my home as a place of radiance in the midst of my neighborhood. And every single time I sent a kid out into the neighborhood to ride a bike or to ride a scooter, they were carrying the radiance of the house. They were carrying the radiance of their father. Everywhere they went, they were little beacons of light and hope. And I started thinking about that idea and this thought of, man, what, if, what would life look like if we actually began to awaken to this particular idea and this possibility? Man, I think this place would be different. This world that we, look, we live in would look different. Our interactions with people outside of this building would be different. Because every time they look at you, they would see the light of the sun that burns deep within That's a prayer that I've been praying. That's a prayer that I've been circling. That's a prayer that I've been dreaming about for some time. Because I know we're made for more. I know that He has plans for our life. I know He has plans for this community. And it's awesome.
Okay, that was just for free. Um, Turn in your Bibles to Psalm 126. I think some of us are in need of restoration this morning. I think some of us are needing to move into a place of being restored. I feel like some of us have lost fortunes. And I feel like the Lord wants to do a work right now. So Psalm 126.1 says, When the Lord restored the fortunes of Zion, we were like those who dreamed. That's a short little verse. That's kind of fun. The scripture is actually pointing back to a previous victory for the children of Israel. A victory, mind you, that was actually brought about by the hand of God. That was one of the things that I thought was always smart and brilliant about these guys is most of the cool, awesome victory stories are always ones that they could never really take credit for. I thought that was pretty rad. I think some of us could maybe take a page out of their playbook and realize that the victories that, and the triumphs that we have in our lives most likely have always pointed back to the one. You know, some folks talk about this story. Um, you know, it's, it's interesting because there's not a direct correlation to uh, which particular victory is being talked about in this particular passage. Um, but I like to think about when you hear victory in children of Israel, the one thing that I really like to think about is the children of Israel leaving Egypt. Because when they left Egypt, they didn't leave Egypt with just uh, the shirt on their backs and the camel or two that they might possibly be riding on. They actually left there with spoils from the land. They actually left not only being delivered, but they actually stepped in with riches. It wasn't that they were just set free and, yes, go, please, get out of here. I'm tired of all the plagues. It was take stuff, get out, go. Their fortunes were restored in that moment. And I believe, uh, you know, our friend Ray Hughes, who's a fun man to spend some time with and, and begin to hear him teach, he, he talks about a particular moment when the children of Israel begin to step across onto dry ground from the Red Sea. And he says in that moment when they stepped across from 400 years of bondage and slavery, there was a whole, everyone that stepped across had been born into slavery. Everybody that was there that made that journey with them, that's all that they had ever known. And in that moment, when the Red Sea collapses on the Egyptians, they began to do what? They began to sing and to dance and to praise the Lord. In that moment, there was a new song that was released into a generation. It was a song of victory and a song of triumph. I also believe in that moment that they were awakened to this possibility of promise. In that moment, there was a dream that was now instilled in a generation that all they had ever known was bondage and brokenness and slavery. I feel like this morning, maybe there's some of us in this place that maybe you would say bondage, brokenness, and frustration has been a part of my story. Maybe that's been the predominant theme in the life and the legacy that you have up to this point. But today's a new day. Today's a new moment. 
I think with everything that we've seen in the last couple of days on the news and the things that we've witnessed with our own eyes, we need a moment right now with the Lord where we can move past the physical and the spiritual uh, brokenness and we can step into this place of possibility. We can step into this place of dream. We can step into this idea uh, that there is more. So a few minutes ago, I alluded to the fact that the Lord brought about this brilliant home for my wife and I. It's a super cool story. (laughs) And it's really long. (laughs) And there's rain pouring down and streets closing behind us. Um, And all of us are maybe a touch on the hungry side. Um, Especially me. (laughs) It is. Um, So I'm going to be quick and tell you simply this. That my wife and I about a year ago began to dream a dream about the possibility of what it would look like to gather and to host and to begin to bring people into our home so that we could gather around the table and could begin to dive into deeper places of community, family, and life. We started dreaming about this dream of what it would look like to get worshipers, artists, and creatives, the crazy ones of the bunch, put them all in a room with a couple of instruments and just begin to see what the Holy Spirit does a place where we could foster a community and a family where trust would be of the utmost, where confidence in one another would be at an utmost. And we would be able to dive in off the ledge of the shore and into the ocean that is the wild beauty of our Father. It's this little dream that I've been circling for a year. It's this little dream that I can go back to over and over and over again because I've One of the practices that I really got into that I think the Lord has just really brought about in some cool ways is I journal my prayers. And it's fun in Evernote, this little tech lesson on the side, everything's searchable. So you have the ability to search back to when did I first begin to start praying about this. And April of a year and a half ago came up. So what was really interesting is that my wife and I got ourselves into a position where we were just okay with maybe starting to put the house on the market. And within 24 hours of our house being on the market, it sold in the midst of a blizzard, in the midst of a snowstorm. And the Lord, while I'm shoveling, says, Nick, what, you know, I'm saying to him, uh, Father, what's going on? He says, Nick, remember, it only takes one. I said, this is a big step of faith. And he said, yeah, Noah said the same thing. All right, sweet. So here we go shoveling. When we put that sign out in the yard, we didn't know where we were going. We just knew we had a dream and a hope and a father who loves us. Sometimes that's all we need. Sometimes that's the best place to be. Sometimes that's the only place to be. Do you believe that he loves you this morning? Do you believe that he has plans for you this morning? Do you believe that those plans are more uh, involved being more than just existing and surviving in your present circumstances and situations? Do you believe that he has holy plans for you? Come on. You can clap. Come on. I start talking about that and I start feeling all ooey and gooey inside. I just want to hug people. We might do that later. Um, So one of the things that was really brilliant is the Lord... 
brought this house into our midst and it was honestly more than I could ever hope of, dream of, or imagine. It was just kind of stupid. I was kind of at this point of, this is ridiculous. Like, no way, Lord. And he's like, why? I'm like, no way. It's not going to happen. So I'm going to put it out of my mind. But then the curiosity started to kill me. I started playing the what-if game. It's my favorite game. And I, uh, I said to my realtor, and I said to my wife, I said, babe, we got to go see. She's like, you're crazy, but yeah, let's go. Let's go see what God's going to do. So as the whole family stood in the kitchen, almost refusing to look around the house because they were in a place of frustration and didn't want to get their hopes up, old Nick went out back. And I began to walk around the perimeter of this property. And the tears just came. I said, Lord, what are we going to do? Should we make an offer? Can we afford this? <laughs> Does this make sense? He said, Nick, you're asking all the wrong questions. I was like, oh, great. He says, does this check the boxes for everything that you've been dreaming about? Does this check the boxes? Because if so, I'm game. Three weeks of negotiations, frustration, and uh, a wild prophetic dream later, my wife and I own that home. We had, our, we had our first gathering of folk at our house about two weeks ago. And there will be more to come. But as my wife and I began to journey through that process, the Lord began to highlight kind of four distinct things. And we got to be fast because that rain is pounding this roof. I feel like it could just be a noisemaker. Guys, just put it out of your, your mind. It could just be a little something, background. It's kind of nice and soothing. Sorry, I'm a weird guy. You know, as I began to kind of talk about this idea of dreaming, this idea of stepping into kind of belief that there is something more, the Lord kind of pointed out a couple of different things to me that I think are important for us to gather around today. One is this idea of trust. Trust is a biggie. Because at the end of the day, you cannot dream if you do not trust. You don't have the ability to dream if you do not trust. There are many of us that are walking through life that we filter everything through this pain and frustration and disappointment of the past. And so therefore, we have an inability to dream about the future. The Lord showed me this interesting image of, uh, I've had the privilege of doing some kind of um, groups, uh, kind of ropes courses and kind of team building exercises of this idea of this thing called a trust fall. I don't know if any of you guys have ever experienced this, but you, they take you up to a ledge. Uh, it's probably just stupid high. And um, then they, they take some folks that you don't really know all that well and they have them lock arms and they say, turn your back and fall. Sounds like a really, really not smart idea. But usually it pans out. Usually. 
But the Lord began to show me this idea of a trust fall. And he told me that most of us will never begin to even uh, step up to the ledge because there's areas of distrust in our own heart. You will never step to the ledge if you distrust the ones on the ground promising to catch you. But the truth is, is he really is a good dad. I have never dropped my kids. I don't think. No, I haven't. You can check with them later. Zane's a little iffy. That might have been a swing set accident. Um, No, I'm just teasing. Um, I have never dropped them. And the truth is, is God has never dropped you. He's asking you to move past the distrust in your heart. To step up to the ledge and begin to take the plunge. Because the land of possibility awaits. The other idea that the Lord shared with me was that some of us are challenged with this idea of risk. We struggle with this thought of risk. We use words like risk and crazy And we actually think when we're talking about those things, when God's asking us to step out, that we're being wise. Just analyzing some things, you know. It sounds a little crazy. A little risky. The truth is, is that those words that we use are actually not wise at all. Those words are actually cloaking and masking fear that has gripped our hearts. Mark Batterson, actually, in this book, has a cool story that I love. He went to Peru and was uh, climbing Machu Picchu with his son and had this opportunity to uh, go paragliding or para-whatever. You jump off a cliff and float in the air, whatever that's called. And he says that he had about just a couple minutes of an orientation with the guy who was actually going to be handling the particular vehicle, if you can call it that. He said it was really comforting. Felt like all of his worries were just taken away. Exact opposite. And uh, he said that they strapped him to him, he grabbed the rails, and he began to run off a 10,000 foot drop off. How many of you guys have witnessed anything like this in life? That sometimes it feels like we're charging 80 miles down the road and we're about to hit the drop off. And the only thought that was going through his head at this moment was, this is crazy, 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 this is crazy. But as soon as the air hit the wings, this is crazy moved into this is awesome. This is awesome. This is awesome. This is awesome. The truth is, is that sometimes we're presented with risky situations or crazy situations just because God's waiting on the other side with a little funny grin waiting to see this is awesome. This is awesome. This is awesome. Because he has a plan for you and he has a desire for you to step into a deeper place of trust where risk don't really look like risk. Risk is actually a moment of activation where you step into the rhythm of the Spirit and you become exactly who you're supposed to be. The other idea... Let's see which page. Sorry. The other idea that the Lord kind of dealt with me on is this idea of faith. The truth is, is that faith a lot of times looks like foolishness. 
And reputation is kind of a big deal to most of us. And a lot of times we stop short of stepping out in faith because we're too concerned with our reputation and foolishness being attached to our name. But the Lord can do an awful lot with a group of folks who don't really care about any other reputation than the reputation of, his, of their father. Hey, I like that. I got some noise. And the last place that I want to spend some time on, and then I'd like, I'd like us to maybe have some, some ministry time if possible. Is that I think that there's, so the last three kind of things that we talked about are folks that are maybe at the place where you haven't been able to jump off the ledge. You haven't been able to step into a place of trust. You haven't been able to step in to this activation of understanding who God is for you and the plan that he has for your life. Because these things have held you back. These things have been baggage and weight that you've been carrying around. And this morning, I'm going to tell you this. The Lord wants nothing more than for you to drop them from your hands. For these things to break off of your back. For your shoulders to kind of roll back. For your spine to stiffen. And for you to walk in this place of activating the dream and the plan that the glorious Father has for you. I think there's another group of folks in this place who might actually say, man, I've kind of been around a while. I've been here a minute. I've been a Christian for a good while. And I'm kind of on the backside of my season. Yeah, when I was younger, I had some dreams. But that's kid stuff. I've moved on. You see, I think what happened to the children of Israel is that they came out of bondage and slavery. And we all read it and we kind of shake our heads and say, there's miracle after miracle after miracle and display of God's glory right in front of them. How can they lose sight of the promise are you kidding me? Like, I just, I get so frustrated reading the Old Testament sometimes. But then I start thinking about us and our own journey. That sometimes we lose sight of the promise because we lost heart in the process. Sometimes the Lord takes us through wilderness and challenging situations because he wants to work his will into our lives Sometimes he takes us into those places so that he can begin to do a deeper work. Because it's not just about the promise. He's actually preparing us for himself. And sometimes we can't step into receiving promise if all we're doing is sorting through the noise and the junk of yesteryear. So in this book, there's an interesting kind of thing. I, can't, I will not take credit for this because I'm just not that clever. Um, but I will tell you this. I want to read this to you. Scientists have actually proven that, the age, uh, that as we age, the center of cognitive memory shifts from imaginative uh, right brain to logical left brain. This neurological tendency pres- presents a grave spiritual danger for all of us. Because at some point, most of us stop living out of imagination and start living from memory.
Instead of creating a future and accepting the plans, purposes, and dreams that the Father has for our life, it's easier for us to relive and replay the past. Instead of living by faith, we live by logic. And instead of pursuing and chasing after our dreams, we stop circling Jericho. One more lap was just too much. This feels a bit foolish, doesn't it? Come on, guys, let's just go back to camp. There's, there's maybe a warm meal there for us. How many are in this room can admit and search deep within your heart to say that I'm maybe speaking to you? That there are dreams of the past that have been sacrificed on the altar of logic. The Lord showed me that this morning He wants to do a work of uncovering some of those places that have long since been forgotten. The Lord told me that He really wants to move us into a place of we would begin to move past the present hurt, pain, destruction, and dysfunction that we're currently living in and move into this place of possibility. There's a beautiful story that he's writing in your life. You still have a heartbeat. He's not done with you. There is more. So this morning, if you're struggling with overcoming the hurdles of trust and risk and faith, today's the day for you to take a step towards the Lord and for our Father to wrap His arms around you and to pull you close. I started out this message by talking about arise, shine, for the light has come. You see, the thing is, is that as we press deeper and deeper and deeper into Him, we're just consumed by the radiance and the glory and the wonder of our Father. So this morning, you don't have to make the step by yourself, because He's right here with you every single step of the way. This isn't a work that you have to do all on your own. He is carrying you. He is good and he will never let you go. This morning, maybe you're in the room and you're in this place of where maybe maybe you're one of those that could say, man, I've sacrificed some dreams. I've let them go. When I was beginning to pray about this and talk about this with the Lord, he showed me a picture. And it was a very interesting picture of a man with a huge beard by candlelight writing He reaches over and he grabs an old book. It's huge. He just began to blow. And he opened. And the book was full of promises and full of dreams that he wrote for you that are part of your story that you have yet to even begin to realize and accept for yourself. The Lord has an amazing story for you. 
not just for me and a cool house. That is but one moment in the story that God is writing. And this morning, He wants to dust those dreams off with you. And it brings a huge smile to His face.